Hey, shame is the ultimate block to unconditional love, and yet it grows like spiritual, emotional mold in our lives. I'll share a goofy situation that came up for me recently, and of course, some less goofy ones to follow. I was visiting my aunt in Connecticut. My cousin was there with her newborn. It was so nice getting to hold the baby, sitting outside, enjoying the family in the late summer afternoon. When we headed back inside to the kitchen, my aunt noticed some water on the back of my dress and was dabbing at it with a napkin. Pretty quickly, she realized it wasn't water. Mm, It was blood, menstrual blood. I had gotten my period while I was sitting outside with the family. And I wouldn't ordinarily note this because I consider them blood, bad pun intended, but technically they're my in-laws, my ex-husband's aunt. So there is that added layer of visiting them solo for the first time since my separation. So there we are in the kitchen with my cousin, her husband, their young son and baby, and everybody literally staring silently at my aunt holding a bounty napkin covered in my period blood. I mean, can you imagine? I can't get in their heads, but I'm sure they had this moment of what the fuck do we say? I burst out laughing and I said, I am officially an icon now. Luckily, I happened to have a change of clothes in the car because I was going out of town for the weekend. And as they say, all's well that ends well. In this case, with a good chuckle and a new but unexpected level of intimacy and trust with my family. Compare this with another summer day years ago when I was editor of Seventeen. I was in a design meeting with my art director and deputy art director. People who work with me know that I'm generally pretty dramatic and performative when I'm expressing myself, and that day was no different. So I was moving all over the place during the meeting from sitting cross-legged, legs stretched out on my desk, pacing, you get the drill. Except after the meeting, I realized I'd had a massive period leak and my white pants were drenched in red. It was kind of a bloodbath. Of course, I was horrified about Jess and Mike having seen and suffered through the meeting without saying anything. They have since claimed not to have noticed, but it was super cringy. What's more interesting is how I handled it back then. I was so ashamed. My instinct was to hide it before anyone saw anything. I grabbed a jacket and tied it around my waist. It was like a $2,000 poochie jacket, by the way, not disposable fashion, but that's all I had. Instead of going home to change and getting cleaned up, I kept the jacket in place, got right into my then husband's car after work, and we drove three hours out to the Hamptons, picked up our friends at the airport. I remember doing little maneuvers to make sure no one walked behind me, and then back to our house in East Hampton, where I finally cleaned up hours after the leak occurred. I know, gross, sad, so many adjectives would work. Talk about not showing up for myself. I was so ashamed that all I focused on was covering up what was giving me shame as opposed to loving and caring for myself through it. On one level, this probably sounds like the adult version of Traumarama, the embarrassing moments section of Seventeen and the other teen magazines. 
And sure, it is. But even those stories were something deeper, a communal acknowledgement and release of moments that have brought us shame. And here's what's important to me in this phase of my life. Shame is powerful, but I don't want it to overpower me. My very different reaction to the same situation relates to the unconditional self-love I've cultivated since then. And more, more on that at the end. Shame was a tool that my mom, like many parents, used to control me. Here's a sort of fucked up story. This one time when I was in college, I was home for summer break and had gone out on a date with some guy. It was a standard first date, nothing crazy. But when I got home later that night, I noticed that there was an open condom on the sidewalk in front of my house. I grew up on a street where something like that wasn't as common as it may be if you're walking on a street in Manhattan. But sometimes there was just random trash floating around here and there. It wasn't a pristine, upscale neighborhood with long driveways and stuff. I remember thinking, yuck, and assumed it would sort of magically be gone in the next day or so. Side note, my own children are much more proactive garbage picker-uppers than I was. Avalon once brought me a disposable mask someone had used to wipe the shit out of their ass with in the park so I could throw it out. I know, disgusting. I just had to share the tasty tidbits we find on the streets of Manhattan. Anyway, I didn't think about it. I just went to bed. When I called my mom at work the next afternoon when I woke up, remember when we used to sleep until the afternoon? Oh, that was awesome. Her voice was cold as ice. After asking her a few times what was wrong, she finally unleashed her thoughts with venom. I know what you did last night. I saw that thing in front of our house. To be honest, I was pretty flustered. As she continued her accusations, I started to put two and two together and finally understood what she was referring to. She never actually used the word condom. She ended her, end, ended her rant with the following threat. I'm going to take you to the doctor and have your virginity tested. I felt so terribly ashamed, angry, and indignant, insisting through hot tears that I had nothing to do with the condom. She, wasn't act- she never actually had my virginity tested. I mean, can you imagine marching into the pediatrician's office asking him to examine my hymen? I'm not even sure exactly why she threatened that. I guess to ensure that I didn't have sex. Well, that didn't work. In any event, today I understand that seeing that condom on the street touched something in her relating to her past that she has since revealed to me. When she was a teenager, her own mother wrongfully accused her of sexual behavior and shamed her terribly. In our culture in Iran, this was a particularly shameful thing to be accused of. My mother was so horrified she tried to take her own life. Although I didn't have the same reaction, the whole incident felt awful. And if she wanted to make me feel like a dirty whore, mission accomplished, even though the condom wasn't mine. It's like she took the unprocessed shame inside her and rubbed it all over me. And it definitely had the opposite impact of what she hoped. I internalized what she said about me instead of loving myself through the verbal attack. Calling me a slut landed because it hooked into my existing feelings of self-judgment because of the incest I had survived for much of my childhood. Part of why I wanted to share this whole shame thread today is that my mom is giving me the cold shoulder again. A daughter of her friend is a reader of this newsletter. Hi. 
And she told her mother, Atusa is writing about very bad things. And then her mother called my mother, who, by the way, is almost 90 years old, and said, Atusa is writing about very bad things. And my mother then calls my sister and asks, is Atusa writing about very bad things? And so on and on. You get the drift. The very bad things are the hard moments of my life the very real moments of my life where I made choices that weren't great that I've learned from. To hold any of those experiences with shame or secrecy would be to say that there are parts of me that aren't worth loving. And every part of me is worth loving unconditionally. It's unfortunate that so many people are made to feel that our darker experiences are bad, shameful, or needing to be kept secret. Ultimately, it's an indication of lack of self-love of the person doing the shaming. And to you, dear reader, whether it's a family member or some sad sack on social that tries to shame you, please love yourself through it and breathe. As you know, I just put my hand on my belly, breathe deeply, picture myself as a little girl, and say those important phrases I wish I'd heard when I needed unconditional love as a child. Atusa, I've got you. I'm not going anywhere until you feel it's safe to come back into your body. I'm going to stay with you until you feel safe and seen and heard. The brilliant Mark Willen taught me those phrases. You can read his book, It Didn't Start With You. And this advice may sound hokey, it may sound corny, but honestly, I'm not here to try to be cool. As far as I'm concerned, I'm already fucking cool. (laughs) I'm here to share the real tactics that changed my life for the better. I've been through a lot of stuff other people may want to hide about themselves, but I'm not ashamed anymore about any of it. It's only by loving myself and unpacking the tough stuff that I can enter this next phase of my life ready and excited to do the real work of relationship, intimacy, and connection with my partner. And he knows all of me, not just the highlights that make it to my Wikipedia page, but also the lowlights where I learned the most and I'm continuing to learn. Earth school, my sister, earth school, where class is always in session and you never know when your period is gonna hit. Although that's not true. I have my handy dandy MyFlow app, but a lot of good that did me last month. Anyway, if you have a story you want to share with me or the community at large, please email me. I'm here for you 24-7, as always, at atusa, atatusa.com.